This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Olive Magazine podcast. This week, Janine's fresh from judging at the British Pie Awards. Alex reveals the top coffee shops to visit in Vienna. And we talk to the man behind potentially the world's greatest invention ever, the Yorkshire burrito, aka a roast dinner in a Yorkshire pudding wrap. But first up, here's food director Janine with Chief Sub Gregor sharing all the gossip from the British Pie Awards. Hello, so I'm here today with Gregor. Hi, Gregor. Hi, Janine. And it's Pie Week. Pie Week. You've just been to judge the British Pie Awards, haven't I you? Have, I have. I, I've judged 55 pies and I survived. Well done. Well done. So tell us about it. Um, well, it's, it's a really interesting award. It's the British Pie Awards. And every year, um, there's 21 different classes that people can enter. So things like a cold pork pie, regional pie, a, there's a steak pie, there's a there's actually a contentious, I think, pasty pasty class. Okay. And actually a pasty won it last year, won the whole Okay. Um you have to ask yourself, is is a pasty a pie? Is a pasty a pie? I don't know. They I mean these are the British Pie Awards, so they obviously deemed it to be a a, a class and, and um that people could enter. So. so what 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 makes a pie a pie then? Well in the rules it is a pie is a um a filling entirely enclosed in pastry. So, so I a guess pasty would a pasty would qualify, exactly. Mm. Um, so 21 different classes. In our class, we actually had 55 between us. So we had eight people. We got into groups of two and we went through 55 pies. Um, so I think we did about, between the two of us, we did about 17 pies. Wow. Which was, um, it was challenging. Yes. Um, speciality pies, which included game, pheasant, rabbit, um, there was a goat pie. There was actually a cricket pie. 
cricket pie. Yes, cricket. Oh, like with the insects. Oh yes. <laughs> not not a pie for eating when you're at a cricket match. No, no it no. was uh, it was an insect pie. Okay, and what was that like? <laughs> okay. Janine, for those of you who are listening to this, was shaking her head there in despair. <laughs> I'm just saying that people keep pushing the idea of eating insects as a trend. And it's not a trend that I'm going to be hopping on anytime soon. <laughs> Good use That's all of the I'm word saying about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah. But, um, but um, you know, it's, it's, I suppose the idea of that is to get us used to the idea of eating insects before we have to. Yeah, I, I guess so. But yeah. whether we have to or not is another thing. But anyway, I mean, it, mm. apart, apart from the, you know, quite novelty, there was yeah. some really good use of trying to get like interesting and, and unusual things in there. You know, I thought the goat pie was really good. Um, is it like um, Caribbean style? It was a Caribbean style and the, and the, the pastry was like a roti style pastry. Lovely. So yeah, yeah. And it was it was really highly flavoured. I mean, I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, the the way that you judge is is actually, it's really exacting. I mean, it's it, you have to go through different stages of judging. So just to give you a breakdown of them, um, you start with a... You start with a big number, um, 100, <laughs> the biggest yeah. number, um, and then you're taking marks off for each stage of, um, of the, the pie. So you start with just looking at the over overall appearance, mm -hmm. then you go to looking at the, the bake on the pastry yeah. and the evenness of the pastry. So in that case, you would be cutting into it and looking like, is it even all the way around? Is it baked all the way around? Like, is the bottom really, really thick, whereas the sides are really thin? So you go into that with it. And then you go into the pastry taste and texture. Then you look at the filling and whether the pie is actually really well filled or not. Mm -hmm. Then you actually go into the filling taste and texture. So, you, so you're going through every single little facet of the pie mm -hmm. um, quite exhaustingly. Yeah. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's, you know, you come out of it the other end and hopefully you've got a great pie. I think in our category, we got a, we got a really good one. That won it. Um, Sorry, so what was your category? Speciality meat. Speciality meat. Speciality meat and game. Okay. So it was anything that, you know, you've got your bog standard sort of um, steak pies and pork pies, not that they were bog standard, but then you, anything that slightly veers off the, um, off the road of, of normal yeah. fillings, you would say. So we had rabbit, yeah. we had pheasant, um, as I said, we had the, the cricket. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was interesting. And so what, what was your, what one in your category? Are you allowed to reveal that? No, yet? I'm not. Not allowed I'm to not reveal that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a 55 pies, there's a lot to get through. We, um, you've got to try and stay focused and you try and do it within a sort of time frame, maybe about, uh, I think we, we managed to do it in about two and a half hours. Right. Um, because you have to kind of just keep on it and, get, and be consistency. Consistency is the main thing. Yeah. You judge everything by the same criteria. And um, you don't judge the pies against each other. You're literally looking at each one in individually. Individually, yeah. okay. And what, so what, what do you use when, when, you're, when you're judging pies? What do you use as a palate cleanser? Oh, um, well, it was a, a light lemon squash. I don't know. It's quite weird. It was so. I think it was some kind of um, you know lemon barley water, right? Okay, which actually works really well. I yeah. Imagine because it would get the sort of the fattiness of yeah, the meat. Out exactly. And stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I got got through quite a lot of that. Okay, good. Um, didn't actually have anything for my tea afterwards apart from wine <laughs> <laughs> because I just couldn't face anything else to eat. Right. But it is fascinating, and, and as a as a cook, you learn a lot. Right. Um, one of the things I learned was that people. 
in order to, I, th I think a lot of people concentrate more on the filling than the pastry, which is a bit weird when you think like essentially a pie, for me, it makes it's make or break by its, by its pastry basically. Okay. But I think people sometimes get a little bit caught up in trying to reinvent the wheel, yeah. doing something really unusual and not, yeah. not worrying about the pastry. But I think that's the thing that you have to start with. But yeah, I've met a lot of great people, a lot of really enthusiastic bakers um, and pie makers um, and, and you sort of, you pick up little tips along the way. So it was, it was a great experience. Um, it did make me think though about, about my, you know, my hero pies and, mm -hmm. and a lot of the stuff I was tasting like um, was kind of reminding me about stuff when I grew up. So um, one thing that my grandma used to do when I was little is she would make a suet crust pie, which is quite, yes. it's quite unusual to right. do that. Um, these days it's, it's not used as much, I think possibly because it's, it's not, you know, beef fat suet. It's not a trendy ingredient, is it? No, um, no, yes. Well, I suppose it, it's had a bit of a renaissance. It's had a bit of a, yeah, a little bit of a but renaissance. But that's quite recent, isn't yeah. it, really? I think, I think most people stopped using it during the, like, late 80s and yeah. during the, the 90s. War. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The food war. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but, they, but they did stop using it then and uh, because everyone thought it was unhealthy, didn't yeah. they? But as it turns out, of course, like, like all those things do, that we're actually better off. Because it's not really processed. It's, it's not just, processed yeah. like margarine is. <clears throat> but what it does do, yeah. um, and actually, I, I have to say this, and she's not here anymore, Grandma, but um, her pie would not have got into the pie awards. Really? Beautiful as it was, because it, she used to do a top crust pie. Right. So basically what she'd do is she'd get some really slow cooked, like mm. beef shin, yeah. cook it with stock and onions, yeah. get a really deep, rich gravy with it. Then mm. she'd put it in a dish. She'd make um, a suet crust pastry, which would just be beef suet, mm -hmm. um, water, mm -hmm. um, bit of herbs, and then um, a bit of flour. Roll it out, put it on top. And what happened was the, the top bit would go all crunchy and golden, mm -hmm. and the bottom bit would become like dumpling, because that's what you make dumplings yeah, yeah. out of. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you've got to use self-raising flour as well for that to give it a slight bit of a rise. Um, but according to the criteria of the British Pie Awards, that's not a pie. Because it doesn't have the sides of the yeah, base. Yes, because it's not completely enclosed filling. Right, okay. But yeah. I'm saying they should start a new category for my <laughs> grandma's pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what about you? What's your um, what's well, your go-to pie? Well, I, I don't know. My, the, the one that I that I miss the most um, is, is uh, well, scotch pies. Oh, yeah. Or, but Dundee pie, yeah. really. Um, so Dundee pie is, is you know, it's it's mutton pie. It's like mutton, white pepper. So it's that onion. particular, that it would be that. a particular kind of meat as well. Oh, it's all, yeah. 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 It's Scotch pie is mutton pie, and it, with short crust pastry. With them, um, not short crust, hot water pastry, right? And is it, am I right in thinking it's the little kind of perfectly round, flat perfectly pie? Perfectly round one with one hole in the top. Yeah. That's right. Beautiful pies. Uh, I mean, obviously you get really cheap ones that aren't that nice, yeah. but, but a good one is a good one. And it was from Dundee. Yeah. Um, Wallace's were the place that, that, that originated them, and they, but then many more people make them now. Um, but they are just the How best. How did they get them so uniform? Did they actually make it in a mould or make it? I think they do. It was like almost, it's like an industrial, like banging out pies, yeah. And it's, I mean, they're, they're brilliant. You get, you can smell them. There's a bakery, an all night bakery somewhere on an industrial estate. <laughs> while I was yeah, and everyone's drawn towards it, like, while, while like high student, zombies, yeah. like walking towards the... Yeah, while I was a student, <laughs> the one girl that had a car 
used to go out and get the, get the pies and bring them back. Um, but it, yeah, they were, they were brilliant. And also similar, but, you know, but less, less well-known in, mm. in England or, uh, for, for Brideys. Okay, I've never had one of those. No, I so so they're um, so they would qualify by your criteria for the. It's not the my part, criteria. For, by the by. They won't even let my grandma in. By the <laughs> true, it's definitely not your criteria. By the for the for the British Pie Awards, yeah. they're they're, um, they're like in this they're folded over. Yeah. Like a circle folded over, enclosed and crimped. Sounds like the a edge. pasty to me. It's like a pasty, right? But pasties are crimped on the top. Whereas that's oh, crimped on the side, so it's I like the difference between a um, a stromboli and a calzone. And a calzone, I yeah, yeah. See. So it's it's like that, but it's it's again it's mutton inside, and you get onion brides and plain brides. Plain brides have no onion in them. That's and, you're a fussy lot up there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inventing a whole non-onion yeah, style bridey. Right. But you also get them in a ludicrous variety of sizes. Right, so you would get one that was big enough to feed a family of ten. Amazing. Right, it was like giant, but usually you get them that are that are just like individual size. And where is it particular to? Did you say which Forfer. region? Forfer. Forfer. Okay. Which is which is a bit an Angus town, big Angus town. Yeah. And it's and, and um, yeah, they're absolutely brilliant. And is it so? But would that be something that like someone at home would make as well? Do you no. think? No, it's something you would buy. Really, you yeah, wouldn't. Yeah, it's, it's unlikely that someone would make that. Okay. Yeah. It's, why, why, you'd buy. why would that be? Then? I think, I think the, the hot the whole hot water <clears throat> cross business oh, yeah, is, is it's... quite difficult. But it's, but um, also because they make them so well, yeah. they're like a fast food, really. And I think that they're they're they were they were made both the brides were made, I think, for mm. farm workers, really, yeah. to take out for their lunch with them. Yeah, yeah. And, and Dundee pies, I think, happened because Dundee, Dundee was a city that... Because they're very easy to eat. I mean, they're, they're sort the of... Hop. They're made yeah. to eat on the hop, on the exactly size that. and the fact that you can get the whole pie in your mouth. Not the whole pie, yeah. but you can get a bite of the whole pie exactly quite that. easily without dropping it all the way down exactly. the front. Although it's it's a bit <clears> trad <throat> to, to eat it on a roll, right? Dundee pie oh, on a roll. Okay. So the grease doesn't drip down your fingers. So a soft white roll. Soft white roll. Butter? With a, um, yeah, I don't think you do really need butter Brand or sauce. sauce. <laughs> Just, you know, like, but you, yeah, I mean, I always used to put sauce on on my pies. Yeah, Brown yeah, sauce, especially if you got it in a calf. Yeah. And you got it in the squeezy bottles with the nozzles. Is that the one? You could plunk the nozzle into the hole in the top of your pie <laughs> and pump the brown this sauce. This is next inside. level pie pimping. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that was brilliant. Yeah. And is that the special, you know, in Scotland you get that special brown sauce that's got extra vinegar no, added that, to it? No, that's, that's only in Edinburgh. Only in Edinburgh? Only in Edinburgh. And you get that in fish and chip shops. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's just called sauce. It's just called sauce there, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> and, but in, in uh, yeah, so, the, so the, the pies, one more thing about the brideys, which I think is brilliant, <laughs> is brilliant, is that the, so you can tell which ones have onions in them and right. which don't. The ones without have one hole in them, Right. And the ones with have two. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, I think yeah. we've all learned something there yeah, today, yeah. Greg. Yeah. Um, we've got so many delicious pie recipes on our website. Um, Alex has been posting them on Facebook all week. Um, so go to allmagazine.com, check them out. Yeah. Uh, go check out the British Pie Awards. 
um, website as well. Really interesting stuff on there. And I think they're announcing the winners on Friday. So we'll see. We will see. Who, who won. Who won. I know, talking of pie secrets, we've got a couple of cracking pies coming up in the magazine. But I'm not going to tell you what oh, they yes, are. Oh, yes, that's true. Watch yeah. out for that one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, Gregor. Okay, no problem. Thanks, Janine. Thank you to Janine and Gregor. Next up, Alex and I talk coffee culture in Vienna. Hello, so this is Laura and I'm here with Alex, our lovely digital writer. And Alex, you've just come back from Vienna, haven't you? I have. And you're going to talk to us about all of the wonderful coffee shops they have there. Yes, yeah. So um, Austrians are really big on their coffee. And um, what I found really interesting is the difference between the traditional Mm -hmm. literary cafes and the modern coffee shops. Um, Because... The Viennese, um, Viennese people and Austrian people in general have lots of different coffees. So their okay. main ones are Kleiner Brauner, which is an espresso. Okay. Um, and then they have Grober Brauner. Sorry about the pronunciation, any Austrians mm-hmm. out there. Um, and the Grober Brauner is an espresso with a dash of milk. Okay. And also more typical in Vienna itself is the Viennese coffee, yes. which is the one that lots of people see with all the whipped cream yeah. and cinnamon on the top. Very luxurious. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've seen pictures of stunning traditional coffee houses in Vienna. So did you visit lots of those? Yeah, we managed to go to a couple because there's so many. Um, and they, there's a real movement of coffee shops that were frequented by literary people okay. and people of note, and they've got stunning interiors, like the Cafe Central, for example. Right. It's probably the most famous yeah, one, okay. I'd say. I'm pretty sure I've heard of this one before. Yeah, it's constantly got a queue out the door, but it's definitely <laughs> worth the wait because the interiors are absolutely stunning. Really? Um, it used to be a bank okay. and like a stock market building, Very so you cool. can imagine a lot of money went into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then in 1876, it opened as Cafe Central, and it's really famous for its past frequenters because, like in Paris, I don't know if you've ever been to Les Deux Magots and Cafe de Flore, those mm-hmm. literary cafes. Uh, where famous artists and writers went. So Cafe Central was frequented by people like Leon Trotsky and Sigmund Freud. Mm. Um, but without the food. <laughs> yes, they do amazing patisserie. Okay. Um, so we had this hazelnut and chocolate slice, which had a really rich ganache and crunchy hazelnuts, and then fruity, which is one of my mm. favourite textures because it's really crisp and yeah. almost crackles in your so mouth. So delicious. Um, and also obviously famous for the apple strudel, mm-hmm. which they serve warm and it's really flaky and mm-hmm. lovely and they actually have a lot of specialty coffees which are almost like a twist on the Viennese coffee okay so, they, so even though it's traditional they do mix yes they do yeah. so they have like orange liqueur I had one Ooh. which was called the Maria Teresa and it had lots of whipped cream on top. I don't think I've ever had orange and coffee as a combination before you know what it was I had it in the morning I would say <laughs> um and it was actually really nice because it just gave it a little kick. It wasn't yeah. too strong. Yeah. Uh, it just had a nice, like, fresh note to the end. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I really like the sound of those places. Yeah. There's so much history. Yeah. Because, well, that's the thing. They have all these places, but there's a big difference between the really grand ones and mm. then those that are a bit more bohemian. Because yeah. Because if you think about the history of the city itself, mm. um, you've got two kind of movements, haven't you? Yeah. You've got your, you know, your more out there grand places and I also love Klein's Cafe because that's a lot more bohemian and it was designed in the 1970s by this Viennese architect called Hermann Czech who apparently is quite famous um, (laughs) in the the architecture world Um, but it's 
beautiful because it's so tiny and it still maintains this really bohemian atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it's slightly tatty in the best way because it's got these... <laughs> Shabby like, chic. Yeah, leather, dark banquette and um, mismatched tiles on the floor, but they're all from different eras. So oh, it's just wow, beautiful. that sounds cool. And, um, and then there's green chairs that spin out onto the patio outside, which is lovely. And there it's great to get a Viennese melange, which is an espresso with foamed milk and it towers okay. up. Into this. Yeah, it's really cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and so what about the modern coffee shops then? Did you manage to try any of those too? Yes. Yeah. So when I first was researching about Vienna, I didn't really find many like modern places because in a lot of European cities, they've mm. got this like modern hipstery movement, yes. yeah. as we've seen in London and yeah. um, everywhere really now. <laughs> um, so these coffee shops serve more speciality coffee, right. I'd say. They're probably better quality coffee. Okay. Um, and it's just in more modern <clears throat> environments and they yeah. usually have lots of geeky coffee equipment like the V60s and the Aeropress. Okay. Um, and one of the most beautiful places we went in Vienna was called Balthazar. Okay. And it was really clean and bright with a huge La Marzocco Strada coffee machine. Mm-hmm. And that was like dominating the entrance. And Very then cool. it had, it was quite minimalist and then it had white furniture and then a counter that just spanned the whole space. Wow. And um, it was really intricately patterned with like blue mm-hmm. tiles. It was stunning. Um, and their, their coffee actually comes from a specialist roaster in Germany. Okay. So they focus very much on the coffee rather yeah. than the history. The quality. They have to compete, yeah. really, don't Indeed, they? yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just imagining all the smells now. I'm kind of getting stuck in. I want to go and, <laughs> go and try on these places. You should definitely mm. go. So what I found really interesting in Vienna, though, is there's a really great movement, which I haven't seen in a lot of places, and it combines culture with cafes. Okay. So they have um, a place called Phil, which is one of the first places to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's a cafe, first and foremost, but actually there's, like, books everywhere on the shelves and you've got makeshift tables and crates. Mm -hmm. And it's a really nice atmosphere because everyone flicks through the books and you can try before you buy almost. Yeah. Um, And it's really quirky and there's lots of mismatched retro furniture. Um, And we also visited a place called Super Sense. Okay. Which is quite a random name. Yeah. A um, bit more glamorous and, than Phil. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a few doors down from Balthazar that I spoke okay. about before. And they have like a retro 60s living room recording studio. So you can go <laughs> and record do. a song. <laughs> and also wow. they have this old-fashioned elevator and you can go in and record a 90-second clip straight to vinyl, which That's we did. So which cool. Was very fun. Um, and they've got hundreds of vinyls that you can just go and listen to. You can spend the whole afternoon there, wow. really. So I really liked that in Vienna. I found that really something that really defined the, the place. Yeah. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so is there anything else that we should be looking out for when we go book our trip to try all these coffee shops in Vienna? <sighs> yes. yes. <laughs> um, I'd say for, because we've talked a lot about drinking, mm-hmm. um, for eating, a place called Wine Schenker. Okay. That's how you pronounce it. It's a burger kiosk and it has proper burgers with homemade buns, but they're nice. really crisp. And you can also get polenta buns and they've oh, got wow. vegetarian ones okay. and all sorts. And their chips are so delicious. They're <laughs> like crisp, round discs. Wow. But like chips, almost like roast potatoes. Okay, they sound like a hockey puck of deliciousness. Yeah. Potato goodness. Very, okay. very good. And that's in Carmelita Market, which okay. is definitely worth a visit on a sunny day because you can sit out in the cafes and nice. these beautiful buildings in Vienna 
mm. everywhere is just stunning, honestly. You can't... <laughs> it's a given. You, yeah. yeah, even the, the places which might not have been so um, flashy before, yeah. they're still stunning. Brilliant. Um, and one more place, even though it's back to drinking, <laughs> this is Cocktails. Okay. Um, I think it was my favourite place there. Oh, wow. It's okay. Roberto's American Bar. Okay. And it's a tiny, sultry little bar run by Roberto Pavlovic. Okay. And you walk in and the bar takes up half the space and it's got a really impressive chandelier made of like these pearly strings that curve into the ceiling. Oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah, you'll have to, you have to see pictures. I'll try and describe it better when I, um, <laughs> when I write about it. Um, and it has like a speakeasy vibe with uh, little booths down each side. Okay. And they're made really exclusive with these heavy velvet curtains. Ooh, wow. Um, it's, yeah, it's really glamorous. And the cocktails are brilliant. So I had an old-fashioned made with Maker's Mark bourbon. Okay. And also this frothy gin fizz with like pineapple juice yeah that sounds really really good good. okay cool so what should our lovely listeners do if they want to hear or read more about Vienna well I'll be writing I'll be writing um a piece about Vienna um and so that's beyond olivemagazine.com but also what um what I came across recently that we have on the website is a piece written by Eric White who's the CEO and founder of Doppio Coffee. Okay. And he has gone through each European country mm. and said how they take their coffee. Oh, clever. And it's really interesting because mm. it takes in a lot of the history and the culture of a place and it really shows, like I like I noticed in Vienna, mm. that the cafes and coffee shops really define yeah. like the history and like what's going on in current movements. Mm. So yeah, that's really interesting. Cool. So that's a great piece to go check out on the website. Yes. Brilliant. All right. Thank you so much, Alex. That was super interesting. And I definitely want to go drink coffee in Vienna now. (laughs) Thank you. And finally, here's Henry Preen of street food store Yorkshire Burrito with our fellow Yorkie, Alex, on what makes a perfect roast dinner. Hello. So I'm Alex and I'm here at Street Food Union Market on Rupert Street in Soho. And I'm here to chat about Yorkshire puddings, gravy, and the ultimate Sunday roast with fellow Yorkshireman Henry Preen. Hello, Hi. Henry. Hi. So Henry has just set up the Yorkshire burrito and a street food stall with Yorkshire pudding Sunday roast wraps dipped in gravy. But more about that later. So Henry, we've been friends yeah. for a long time. We have. We go way back, and therefore we've enjoyed lots of Sunday roasts together. Correct. In Yorkshire and England overall, in London. All over the place. Yeah. So, the big question. Mm. Roast chicken or roast beef? Beef. Beef? beef I was going to say or something else if you want, but that was very well, quick Well, actually, answer. no. Like, top of the box would be pork. Roast pork with crackling is, is my number one. Okay. Which will be appearing on the menu shortly. But, oh, is yeah. it on, isn't on it yet? No, so, I can't get it on at the moment. I okay. need a bit more space. We'll All see. right, so see. watch the space. Uh, yeah, so um, beef. Uh, why Why beef? Just like a good rib of beef is just a great thing. You get proper good gravy out of it. It's nice with horseradish as well. It's one of my favourite condiments. That's a good mm. thing. With a roast potato, it's just... Yeah. It's great, yeah. Amazing. Chicken so, is a classic, but yeah. Yeah, I am, I'm actually a chicken girl because... Yeah. Beef just feels a bit more special, I think, because you have chicken quite a lot throughout like, the week. True. Like it's quite... True. I always feel like when I go out for a Sunday roast, um, I... I went to the Bullen last recently yeah. and they really specialise in their roast beef. Mm. But um, I wanted to order the roast chicken and all the roast um, pork belly because I love crackling. Every time, it's great. Any tips for the best crackling? 
best crackling, uh, making sure it's dry, so like kind of leaving it out for a little bit, and also uh, like boiling water over the top of it. It kind of shrinks up the pores and helps sort of dry everything out. So a bit of boiling water over the top first, and it shrinks up all the skin. Pat it dry, and then loads of oil and salt on it, and then just nice high oven at first, and turn it down. Ah, oh, great. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that at home. Yeah. Um, also, I'm, I'm a chicken girl because of the skin. I love crispy chicken skin. Yeah, it's great. Um, we've got an amazing recipe on olivemagazine.com, which has got um, it's roast chicken with garlic and thyme croutons, Whoa. which are really good. Which brings me on to the sides. So mm. very, very important, if not the most important thing for me, are the roast potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> so... What make the best roast potatoes? Best you? roast potatoes, lots of garlic and lots of rosemary, in my opinion. Like yeah. a nice small one. You want to parboil them till they're almost falling apart, in my opinion. I like them when they're sort of super fluffy on the inside. Yeah. And then I tend to use lard when I do it, just because Large. it gets really hot, so you get a nice sort of crust on them. But oh, so okay. do that all like if you've got beef dripping or like some goose fat, something like that. Yeah. Just like a good proper fat yeah. as opposed to oil. Like olive oil, leave that alone, it doesn't get hot enough. Well, we, what we do is, um, on Olive, we have a recipe with King Edward potatoes and mm. you put them in rapeseed oil and yeah, then at yeah. the end you put a couple of knobs of butter Lovely. for like a really added crunch yeah, so that yeah, really yeah. like seals it off that's nicely. That's a nice thing, yeah. Yeah. But I do them, um, so yeah, like whatever fat you decide to do, get that on your hob and get it nice and hot and then a bit of rosemary, lots of garlic in there and stuff and get all that into the oil a little bit before you put the parboiled spuds in there, get them a little bit crisp before bunging them in the oven. And that's when you get like this sort of nice crispy, but almost like a little bit of a chewy crisp thing to them, which I really like. Mm. But yeah. Right. Lots of salt as well and lots of pepper. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then gravy. So gravy. you dip your Yorkshire pudding wraps in pots of gravy. Yeah, so they come with like little dipping pots. So it's a mega gravy. So you've got all the uh, cooking juices from the chicken and the beef. So there's a lot of red wine, a lot of white wine, a lot of garlic going on in there. It's a really good thing. So as much, but, as, much as possible. Yeah, but like proper gravy is just about reducing it down a lot. So don't season up your gravy too much before you've reduced it, I reckon. And also sort of making sure you get all the sticky stuff that's stuck to the bottom of your beef pan Ooh, and make yeah. sure you get all that off because that's where all the flavour is in my opinion. Yeah, and how long do you think it takes to make the best Well, it gravy? depends. Like, if you've got a good roasting tin and you get it on the tra- on the hob and stuff, obviously you've got a lot more surface area there, so it boils down pretty quick. But until you've got a nice sort of thick consistency, I tend not to thicken my gravy because I think if you reduce it down enough, then it's kind of, you've got the right consistency okay. there anyway. Uh, yeah, I reckon that's... Yeah, great. So, moving on to the main event for us. The Yorkshire pudding. Aye. So, something very close to our hearts. It is indeed, Yorkshire, yeah. Yorkshire men that we are. Do we know how it came about? So, what I've heard is that the Yorkshire pudding used to be a thing that you'd put underneath, um, so like, sort of when people didn't have as much money or like the sort of poorer families, they'd get a rack of meat, which isn't, obviously you don't have a lot to go between quite a few people. So you'd have that on the shelf above the Yorkshire pudding and have the Yorkshire pudding sitting below it. So you get all the meat juices to drip down onto the Yorkshire pudding and it acts as something to kind of help fill people up. Ah. So like, it kind of makes your meal go a little bit further and you've still got like sort of meaty flavour and that in there. So. so it's a filler? Yeah. Well, I'm glad they decided to fill up people up because it's definitely my favourite part. Yeah, definitely. Apart from the rest Especially when it's like maybe. proper soaked in gravy. Yeah. Wah. So so tell us, how did the Yorkshire burrito come about? Yeah, yeah, several sort of, like, it's, it's a combination of a few things. I mean, firstly, you're just sort of thinking back to, um, like, when you go down to the pub and you've got those, like, sort of roast dinner and a giant Yorkshire pudding like, filled with gravy, that's a great thing. And also just because there's not really a huge amount in the way of British street food, and I think, in my opinion, the thing that we do best as a country is the Sunday roast. It's what other people kind of know us for food-wise, and I think 
yeah, it made sense. I wanted to do something that was kind of British without being sort of like, ooh, Britain. But yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. I think because... I think it's worth celebrating so, something that we do so well. Exactly, because we're, we're, we're so well known for street food in London mm. particularly. And it's it's weird that there isn't more yeah, so you um, can get food from every corner of the world all over the place and there's nothing really. I mean, you can't... There's not much in the way of British stuff. Like, I can't really think of what we've got. Like, well, fish and chips and that. I'm sure you can get that on some of them, but... yeah. Yeah. Sunday roast Yorkshire it's pudding a, wrap why not Yorkshire puddings and roast potatoes all in one so not. what are your fillings my fillings so they all come with stuffing in there and rosemary roast potatoes like mm. sort of lots of rosemary and salt they're quite tasty uh, a bit of spinach because healthy yeah yeah <laughs> sure Henry break, break up the brown a little bit um, and then we've got slow braised beef brisket which is all sort of cooked in a load of red wine and like your mirepoix and stuff of carrots and onions and celery all that and then the chicken as well so we've got a chicken one which is roasted off with a load of lemon honey lots of and lots of black pepper um a bit of white wine in there as well it's all pretty mm. good and then soon pork with crackling and apple sauce yes mm. oh definitely oh yeah and cauliflower cheese as well so you've got a cauliflower cheese thing that goes in there as well uh, if you want that so as well. cauliflower cheese i think that's really important for an added indulgence and also mm. it's really good for um vegetarian if you want to have all of the trimmings that is you've just reminded me yeah i do also have a vegetarian one which is with the cauliflower cheese instead ah, of the meat so how do you make your cauliflower cheese so i cauliflower cheese is like it's one of those things that can be quite easy to get it wrong when people boil the cauliflower like loads and it's just a bit like kind of insipid and yeah so i roast it off on the grill with a load of garlic and a bit of salt and pepper and all that and then sort of get it a nice bit of color to it and kind of leave it quite crunchy still as well so there's a bit of bite there Cheese sauce is just your sort of standard cheese sauce, a bit of white wine vinegar and a bit of mustard powder. Mm. Lots and lots of cheese. Yeah, what type of cheese? Oh, the most mature cheddar available uh, to man. Great. Right. <laughs> well, so let's go and try one of Yorkshire pudding wraps. Um, um, if you want to catch Henry, he's on yorkshireburrito.com and also at Rupert Street at Street Food Union Market. And also we've got loads of Sunday roast recommendations on olivemagazine.com. So check them out. Thanks, Henry. No worries, thanks. Thanks to Henry, Alex, Gregor and Janine and to you, our lovely podcast listeners. Let us know what you thought of this week's episode by tweeting us at Olive Magazine and do us a massive favour if you like so even more people get to hear us talking all things food, drink and travel by reviewing and rating us on iTunes. It literally takes seconds and we'd be eternally grateful. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss another episode and remember you can read more in our monthly magazine and online at olivemagazine.com. So, happy eating, happy drinking, happy listening, happy travelling and we'll see you next week.